listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexel, what a pass to Anders. A king follows. Branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. Doing just that, he's going to take it two yards deep. Look at this. He had eight career kick returns for touchdowns. Make it nine. Marcus Jones. Uh, basically, I didn't think that they was going to kick it to me at first. And whenever I seen it, it kicked it, and I was like, I was going to go ahead and return it. And Coach was talking about, you know, just hitting it wherever it is. And basically, I seen the seam, and I was like, I got to hit it. Hey, hey, it's Andy Yanez, and you're listening to Pot Slamma Jamma from Apollo Media, all Houston, all original. I'm one of your hosts. Like I said, my name is Andy Yanez. You can follow me on Twitter at Ayanez underscore five. And what you just heard right there, once again, relive the game-winning kickoff return touchdown by Marcus Jones, his ninth career collegiate special teams touchdown to put the final nail in the coffin and beat number 19th ranked SMU at home at TDCU Stadium. Dayon, I'll toss it over to you. You were at the stadium. I mean, what was it when Marcus Jones returned that touchdown? It was, I'd imagine it, got, it must have been complete pandemonium. Man, it was complete pandemonium. Everyone in the press box really was just excited, not just for Houston, but just as a fan of football, the excitement of that play when he caught it like a foot or yard or two inside the end zone. I was just telling myself, just bring it out just because how electric he is. And when he came out and broke the first wave of the defense and you saw him going, taking the football to the crib, it was just we're just electric inside the entire stadium, man. It, was, it really was an instant classic, man. The game was really good. It was an instant classic for sure. For sure. You must, you must, you and, Day, and Dana Hogerson must have had the exact same thought because after the game, he talked to the ESPN reporters. He, he told them, he told Marcus Jones, I don't care where you catch it. I want you to return it. And like you mentioned, the moment that, Honestly, Marcus Jones just took probably got to the five yard line had barely gotten out of his own end zone. And you could start hearing fans cheer once he got past the 10. He got the first block. And then, I mean, the rest is history. He completely um, outran everyone. In, and like, like I said at the beginning, I mean, absurd. His ninth collegiate career special teams touchdown. But Daniel Hogerson will have clips from him literally calling him uh, the best returner he's seen. And obviously head coach Daniel Hogerson has seen a lot of football in his collegiate career. And day on before we get more into it, introduce yourself. Where can people find you on Twitter and stuff like that? And you can find me on Twitter at Dayon Dunlap. Um, I'm the color commentator for all home games for the women's basketball team at UH. I've been covering you wait since 2016, just begin working with Apollo HOU within this year. So make sure you check me out on Twitter. But 
Back to that comment that Coach Hogerson said about Marcus Jones being one of the best returns that he's seen. And I was thinking about that last night. And I, you know who popped up in my head was Marquez Stevenson, Speedy. Yeah. We had two dynamic punt returner, kick returner specialists within the last two years. And who's to say between those two, who was who's the best? Because Speedy arguably is right up there with Marcus Jones. But we've got to give Marcus Jones his flowers, man. That that kid is just electric. And he's more than just a returner. He he also had an interception last night. He finished with six total tackles. That I was sitting next to an NFL scout in the press box. And I after that kick return, he looked at me and said, that guy would play on Sundays for sure. And we both just nodded and kind of laughed. But what a game. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean – it was honestly it was a Marcus Jones game and like you mentioned NFL scouts there were there were a lot of NFL scouts at that game even uh, I got told that Texans general manager even Nick Casario was at that press box as well so a lot of NFL scouts Marcus Jones certainly put on a show and like you mentioned Marquez Stevenson also known for his multi versatility both on offense and on special teams he got drafted by the Buffalo Bills and obviously he's kind of been dealt with a lot of injuries since going pro but he he's kind of carved that path right there he's made it to the pro league and honestly Marcus Jones is going to follow right in his footsteps uh, certainly after this season with just the highlight reels that he's been able to put if it don't even count the entire career just put this season what he's been able to put together yeah. I mean all those punt returns the kickoff return it's absurd and and like um after the game, a lot of people were questioning and they asked Marcus Jones, hey, why do they keep kicking you? But I love this answer. He said, hey, I'm not going to complain about it. I, I wish they I hope they keep kicking it to me. And I mean, he keeps producing and I wouldn't be surprised if he can rattle off a couple more before the season ends. Man, that game last night had to put him in the Heisman um, race. I mean, that yeah. definitely was a Heisman performance. <laughs> He's one of the best college football players in the country, and he proved it last night on, on the big stage against an undefeated ranked opponent at home in the night game. And it was a, a crowd. You know, in our last episode, we kind of wondered how would the crowd be, and they did not announce the official um attendance in the crowd, but it was a, it was a really nice crowd, a good attendance. We talked to Tank Dell after the game. He spoke about how the crowd was very energetic and that experience like this, um, the crowd right, rushing the field and taking pictures with them. So it was a decent crowd last night as well. Yeah. I'm looking at the university of Houston website. They had the attendance listed at 25,000, uh, 25,600, but certainly I, I I'm not sure how field wise it was, but certainly just the buzz from it. It certainly seemed a lot different than some of the other games, especially I mean, when you look at the the home opponents they played at TDECU this year. Um, Grambling only had uh, 22,000 people attend that game. And even the game against Navy where they're a conference opponent, but it, not necessarily that buzz. Um, they had 25,000 as well, but they were about 600. Uh, they had more 600 more fans at yesterday's game. But still, I mean, hopefully that, that win for them can build a lot more buzz for the program around them. And then, I mean, barring any letdowns against Temple or USF in the next coming weeks, whenever they host Memphis again, if they're still, you know, I guess by that point, they'd be on a nine-game winning streak if they take care mm -hmm. of business. Um, the final game of the the final home game of the regular season for a chance to, to clinch a spot in the American Athletic conference championship game you'd hope that they'd be able to i mean get at least crack thirty thousand or something like that but i mean obviously yeah. of course once they 
once the game ended, when Marcus Jones scored the touchdown and SMU um, fell to score on a Hail Mary, and the students rushed, the student section rushed the field down. What, what, from your vantage point, what was that like? And what are your thoughts about that? I mean, you can kind of see it brewing once you can kind of see the the students kind of rushing down towards closer to the field. As soon as the clock expired, they rushed the field. So, I, I mean, I wasn't surprised as a college student. That's a great experience. I, I remember back in, I think it was 2017, when UH played Louisville at TDCU Stadium. It was a sold out crowd and they got the one and everyone um, stormed the field. But last night, I think it was just an overall great experience. I'm sure it was a ton of recruits there. And so it, it, it was an overall good experience. Yeah. I think UH should probably be ranked with ranking should come out today. Um, we're recording sure. this um, early Sunday morning, October 31st. So we're awaiting the rankings as we record. But I, I mean, I, I think they will crack at least 30,000 because like we said in our last episode, UH fans and Houston fans, they, they support winning. And when you aren't winning, they really don't come out and support in, in, in the bulk. And with this team now winning seven games in a row, back-to-back road games, and then if they can take care of business and you, you come home with a nine-game winning streak against Memphis, I expect a, a, a huge crowd. But what a performance, man. That was a complete game. I know the defense didn't have – a stronger performance that they would like, but they made the plays in the key moments that they needed to make. And you're going against a high-powered SMU offense, man. Mordecai looked as advertised, although they went in a search, and his accuracy and his mobility was very impressive. And their receivers from SMU definitely looked like they could play on Sundays as well. Well, for Houston overall, I was – I don't want to say I was shocked because I expected a close game, but – the performance of Clayton Toon really, in my opinion, was the story of the game outside of Marcus Jones, of course. But the quarterback play from Clayton Toon really took Houston over the top and he outdoored Mordecai. Yeah, uh, we'll leave it right there as we transition over to our next segment where uh, Dayon kind of mentioned it right there. We're going to be talking about Clayton Toon and the performance he had clearly by far his best performance of the season, which is good. We had mentioned that uh, previously he's, kind of, he's starting to stack off and build momentum following the game against Tulane. We mentioned how that had been one of his best games um, following really the injury and the, the, the hamstring injury that had been bothering him since Rice. He's really starting to string together good performance against ECU. You had the, the anomaly of just being how crazy that game was with the five hour delay and, and then the rain and all that type of stuff. It's good to see him get back on track when the weather and conditions were nice and really the biggest game of the season, a uh, nighttime game. And he showed out in front of all those scouts coming right up on pod slamma jamma covering your UH athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU, all Houston, all original. Continuing on here on Pod Slamma Jamma, Dayon Dunlap, Indianas. Now we're talking about Mr. Toon. He played a beautiful tune last night, orchestrated the offense. Really had to play something we've never seen from Clayton Toon. Had a career night, completed 27 of his 37 attempts for a career night, 412 yards, tied a career high, four touchdowns in the game. And 
Coach Hogerson had high praise for Clayton Tune after the game. Let's check out what he had to say. Said that his biggest learning experience this season has been learning from inside the pocket. What have you seen from his girl this season, and what do you think about his play tonight? <clears throat> uh, he's he's getting close to a hundred percent, but he's not quite there. You can just see he's he's able to extend plays, which is very important. Okay, but uh, his 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 pocket stuff is has really improved. I I, I can't see. Um, I don't know what he ended up. Uh, does anybody know? Yeah, right there, twenty-seven to thirty-seven for four twelve and four touchdowns. Uh, you know, no no interceptions. That's a pretty solid day. Best performance he's had. I uh, need him to continue to get his 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 legs underneath him because there's still things in the run game that I'd like to do with him that will make us better in critical situations. But uh, it's made him a better <clears throat> pocket quarterback to the point to where he doesn't rely on his legs to make plays. Once again, that was UH head coach Dana Holgerson, who um, quickly shifting away from tune for a bit. Dana Holgerson got his first win against a top 25 ranked opponent as a head coach for the University of Houston. He had been 0-8 previously, so Houston got a lot of stuff, uh, checked a lot of boxes with that win against SMU. Now, Dayon going back to Clayton Toon specifically, um, and something Dana Holgerson right there mentioned, he looks a lot more comfortable making plays in the pocket, which is something that uh, Toon himself said, and I believe Holgerson too added where that hamstring injury kind of forced him to be more of a pocket passer. He couldn't rely on his legs to escape trouble whenever he felt pressure in the pocket and it, it forced him to be a lot more accurate and even in that game last night on Saturday against SMU whenever SMU's uh, defense or pressure would the defensive line you would start caving in on him he wouldn't panic he wouldn't try to escape he would try to extend plays now various times he would quickly be you know look to his first option second option and if those aren't there immediately look to scramble against SMU he was stepping in to a lot of throws, but even then, whenever he would scramble, he didn't necessarily try to abort as quickly. He would move to the right, move to his left, try to see if he can get a receiver open down the field, extend the play, and then if nothing was there, try to pick up at least a couple of yards and not necessarily try to force anything. Yeah, I mean, a lot last night, um, he was, wasn't was um, scrambling to run. He was scrambling to extend the play and find a receiver, just like you said. And and he told us earlier, earlier during the week that uh, exactly what you just said, you, the hamstring injury kind of helped him progress as a pocket passer and go through his reads instead of pulling things down. And that's exactly what I saw from him last night going through all of his reads and throwing a nice accurate ball in which receivers can catch it and make a play after the catch. And so Tank Dell had a huge first half and then they kind of doubled him and kind of put safety over the top and Clayton to him. It didn't stop there. He, he continued to hit Singleton, hit, hit Carter, hit Trey hit, hit her slow on a beautiful play where he extended the play. So Clayton Toon, I think that was his best game by far from, from what I've seen. And afterwards, um, I asked him about um, his resilience because it was a lot of chatter around him and the entire program from outside noise. I'm not sure about the inside noise about this, his play after the first game, he he struggled. In the second game, he turned it over. So a lot of people was wanting to maybe a quarterback change. So 
not only his resilience shows who he is as a leader, as a football player, but also shows the confidence that Coach Hogerson has in him and his entire team. And Coach Hogerson and his offensive staff caught a beautiful game. Their most total yards this season went to 489, and which is very impressive. And they lost their um, – Star freshman running back early yeah. in that game, Alton McCaskill was unable to return, but Tajon Carter stepped in got the bulk of the carries. And offensively, I think that was a well-rounded outing, and it started with Clayton Toon just – not focusing on one receivers, not missing receivers. It was a couple drops that um that I've seen on them throughout that game as well. So I feel like he could even had a even better game and threw for even more yardage. But no turnovers is, is key for Clayton Toon, and his decision making really was just up to par last night. Yeah, uh, you mentioned it. You beat me to it. They lost Alton McCaskill early in the game, and it looked like he was on his way to put together a strong performance. I mean, on that first drive, the Houston went down the field and scored. They had a good mix of rushing, and McCaskill, even in just the three attempts that he that he had, accumulated 15 yards and looked like it, it was going to be one of those games where we – I mean, we mentioned before this game, it, it, for in order for Houston to put together a good performance, we expected it to be, a, a, like we mentioned, a good balance, uh, kind of grind it out, make uh, – keep SMU off the field as much as possible. And obviously the way you do that is to go on long drives, and the running game is a big part of that. And, you know, losing your starting running back in the first portion of the game is not ideal, but – like you mentioned, this is really the game where you see a lot of that growth from Clayton Toon. But even going back to the 2019 season, when you know Clayton Toon got kind of thrown right into the fire to be the, the quarterback after the Eric King redshirted, there were games like this. There was even against SMU that season where you know Houston played well in the first half. They tried to match with them, uh, score for score, and then in the second half it would collapse just because of those late turnovers and bad execution. And a completely turnaround and a change in the script last night where Clayton Toon, like you mentioned, he had that monster game. The biggest thing for him, no turnovers. It never seemed like he was panicking or anything when SMU um, Houston jumped early to that 17-0 lead and then SMU rallied back and made it a game and actually took the lead. Houston never rattled that. Clayton Toon never seemed shaken by that and they just kept playing the games and you mentioned it um there were five different receivers that caught multiple passes from clayton tune and obviously the big one was nathaniel dell who had a career high with 165 receptions three touchdowns but jeremy singleton also got into the action he had 93 uh, receiving yards on five catches uh, jake herslow had 63 receiving yards Keyshawn carter had a touchdown himself and also had 46 receiving yards. And Christian Trahan also played a big role for the Cougars. So like you mentioned, not only kind of locking in on just one target, which is something that early in the season, while he's still trying to figure out a groove with this offense was a, a bit of a problem, but spreading the wealth and also the offensive line, they did a good job giving him a lot of time, even though there were times when SMU's defense would, would get, uh, pressure on Clayton Toon. There was there wasn't a lot of time where the play is just completely dead, and you know Clayton Toon had nowhere to go. Those type of plays were really limited, and it, you saw right there it helped Toon out a lot. It did. He was only sacked twice, and then the running game was kind of null and void in the first half. And then Tayson Hearing um, was able to get things going on the ground, and which kind of helped open up that offense and. 
I mean, that's right. That's what we talk, we talked about a lot. Which other receivers would step up because it was really just Tank Dell heavy a lot in Clayton Tune, I mean, I, I got to give him credit because he, he's the one that has to get the ball to the playmakers. They can't throw it to themselves. And he's able to hit them when they can make a run after the catch. German Singleton had a long 58-yard, um, which it was – Passed it, he caught inside, and he ran for the most of those yards. So he had a big game. Kayshawn Carter actually should have had two touchdowns. He actually dropped a touchdown, went right between his hands. But he had a good game. He bounced back. He left a couple plays, I feel like, out there, I'm sure. And he he also lost a fumble as well. But overall, man, the the, the playmakers was well. I think the confidence is is really – really really high right now from throughout the football team and i think they believe i think this week they will be ranked and get the respect that they earned throughout this season about it they're a second half away from you know in which i kind of got to pat myself on the wrong loss, but I have them going 11 and one th- uh, this season. And so I'm, I'm still on, 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 on course. There. Now, what game? That was an instant class. I really rewatched that game. I'm sure ESPN will re-air it um, next week. Yeah, for sure. And even then, just going back to that Texas Tech game and Dana Horgerson himself talked about it after the game, how really this SMU game was in many ways a bit of a way for them to atone for that. We have one clip here, Dana Horgerson talking about just that, how big that game against SMU meant for them and how they were able to clean up some of the things that they couldn't do against Texas Tech. Way that we should have in the second half against Texas Tech, we all realize that. I think it was kind of a wake up call for our team. Um, you know, and we've we've rattled off seven in a row. Uh, SMU um, finished in that second half against TCU. Okay, it's the same type of game. You know, uh, but this is our way of being able to get that back. You know, so uh, just very proud of our football team. Uh, I still think our best football is ahead of us. Um, you know, which is an awesome place to be into when you're going into November. And you're sitting here at undefeated in the conference and seven and one, and I think our best ball is ahead of us. We 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 continue to improve. That confidence right there, not only do they feel good about where they are, but they're looking to improve and really looking to get secure that spot in the American Athletic Championship game, uh, whether it be Cincinnati that they won't play in the regular season. The only chance for them to play them would be in that championship game or like maybe SMU, SMU and Cincinnati have uh, a date down the road in November before that AAC championship game. And Houston, obviously, of course, has to take care of business beforehand with three more conference games, which again, um, at least on paper anyways, it, it seems like Houston's a very good spot with UC at USF, Temple, and Memphis being those remaining three conference games. Um, now, Dan, before we transition over to the next, our final segment, I did want to bring up one point. You mentioned the recruits that they they, they had, they always bring into to games to kind of wild them. Um, obviously, the football team, Dana Holgerson, he always has uh, usually a number of recruits that comes and checks out the game and they meet after the game at their locker room and just get to get the full game day experience. Now, something that really couldn't have worked out any better for also the men's basketball team. 
Uh, five-star recruit Jerez Walker was also in his official visit this weekend. And not to kind of segue too much, but that just goes to show that they certainly put on a good performance for him. Um, if he's in the official visit and he checked out the, the SMU game, which the men's basketball team also received their NCAA uh, final four rings at that game. So, I mean, that SMU game could end up being a big, could end up making a lot more waves for the University of Houston program than just the actual win itself. And you love to see it whenever, you know, there's success at different programs uh, at the university. But, you know, coming up on our final segment, we'll transition to talking more about the UH defense, who, like we mentioned it, there was a lot of bend but don't break moments. There was points there where SMU and Tanner Mordecai got rolling. But when it mattered most, they got the stops, not only with that key interception by Marcus Jones, but at the very end, forcing them to settle for a field goal. And then the rest was history coming right up on Pod Slime Jamma, your home for UH Athletics. Looking for a better way to rep H-Town? Be sure to check out ApolloHOU.com for Astros and Rockets apparel you can't find anywhere else. Use promo code LAUNCH for 10% off at checkout. Apollo HOU. All Houston. All original. Now moving on to that tough, relentless third war defense led by none other than the defensive coordinator Doug Belkin. The defense, albeit they gave up a lot of explosive plays into a team who was a very high-powered offense, but outside explosive play and the totality of the game, the Houston defense actually played opportunistic. I mean, they gave up big plays, but they made key plays and big moments to get stops. And, you know, with Houston, always starts with their defensive line and the pressure they can get on the quarterback. They was able to pressure Mordecai in obvious passing situations. They had three total sacks. But Demarion Williams, man, he played a lot at safety. I was watching him throughout that game, and Coach Bilk talked about moving him all around the defense and how big of a component he is on the defense. He really started – Last night at safety, also played his normal position, some cornerback, but he had a tremendous game. He finished with seven total tackles, five of them solo. But overall, man, I think the defense brought that energy. They got the stops that they needed, and the offense produced. One thing that I watched being at the game was the energy on the sideline with the team, whether the offense was on the field, defense on the field. That whatever unit was on the field, the opposite unit was standing on the sideline. Nobody really sat on the bench outside of when they first got on the field and was getting some coaching adjustments. But the energy throughout the entire team, I feel like helped the defense. The defense played really good. They, they flew around. In college football, you're going to give up some points. So outside of just giving up those explosive points to a really good team, that defense, I feel like – I'm stuck to the game plan. I'm sure when we talk with Coach Doug Belk this week, he'll have some points of emphasis, things that they can get better on. But what stuck out to you defensively? Yeah, I think the first thing that that, that you really got to key in on, which was a big reason the UH won, uh, a couple of things. One, the rushing game, they really made, like we mentioned it before the game, the key there was to make SMU one-dimensional. And even though Tanner Mordecai had put together a really good season, kind of forced him to have to beat you um, with his arm and not give him a boost with the rushing game. And Houston overall forced all of SMU's 
uh, tailbacks who only rushed for 50 yards, the leading rusher with Trey Sigurds, who only accumulated 44 net yards. And they had uh, 24 carries on the night for rushing attempts. And really, Houston did a good job of making them one-dimensional. And even then, on the receiving court, another thing that we mentioned was do not give up a big chunk plays, make it a drag-it-out game, make SMU have to go the distance for everything that they earn, make them have to feel, make them have to work for every point that they scored. And certainly you could, I would feel that they, they did that. There weren't really a lot of chunk plays. There weren't a lot of, uh, eye popping catches. Now there were a couple there that Houston gave up, but overall I'd consider that a win, even with their top receiver, Danny Gray, he, they only held them to 73 yards, only five catches, which I mean, it isn't a bad stat line, but it certainly isn't something that that'll kill you, especially with how hot that SMU offense had been, you'll live with it. And I think that in particular is what really helped them key in because every time SMU would have to score, it was usually them having to go the length of the field. Now Houston had a couple of times right there when, like I said, they gave up a big plays as they gave up a 50 yard pass to Trey Siggers, but outside of, you know, every now and then overall, I feel like they did a good job limiting those type of chunk plays. They did, and I just gave praise to Demarion Williams. Now I got to give more praise to Marcus Jones. I know in our first segment I mentioned how many tackles he had, finished with six. All six of those were solo tackles, but one of those was was a key third down stop, which brought a fourth down and which created a punt. And then he had the interception. Really was a big moment. And after the game, he talked about the challenge of guarding. Gray and all of the receivers. Coach Hogerson talked about how he should declare from the NFL now, how he's an yeah. NFL receiver. So high praise for his defense and, and also for Jones about his competitiveness, wanting to take on that challenge, wanting to compete against the best, someone who he um said he'll see on Sundays. And uh, it was just a, a really good performance, man. That third ward defense, I really, I really think they are tough, hard nosed. And, and I love the way they play. I feel like the energy comes from the defense, that relentlessness, that defensive line play that they had. And just the depth that they have up front, Deontay Anderson and Donovan Mutant both had a good game. Both of those captains held down the fort. Um, Javarius Owens from the safety spot, he had a good game, didn't allow anyone over the top to beat him deep. And so overall, I, I mean – Excuse me. Overall, I just think they were well coached. I mean, it all it starts with the coach Doug Belk, um, and the entire defensive staff. Early the linebackers coach, well, he's a D line coach, also the linebackers coach as well. So, the defense put up a great perform. Well, I wouldn't say it was great. Well, I think they showed up when they had to, especially yeah, they showed up when they the had end. to. I don't want to give it great because they can definitely play better, but. It was good against a really, really, really good high-powered offense. And so they had a good game. I give them all the credit. But from what I've seen, I think they could have dominated even a little bit more. But like you said, they made the plays when they had to, when it counted. And we have this soundbite of head coach Dana Horgerson himself talking about the defense. Here, let's hear it out real quick. Thoughts on your defense's ability to hold Mordecai down in the, the latter stages of the game tonight? Yeah, they, they, they played better in the second half. Uh, <clears throat> you know, give SMU credit. Uh, you know, they, they blocked us up front. You know, we didn't get as much pressure on on him. Uh, he's good at getting rid of the ball. Uh, he's uh, Their O-line did a solid job of, of protecting. Uh, we covered well. 
You know, and those are that's the best receiving core in the league, uh, one of the better ones in the country. Uh, and we covered people. You can sit there and talk about Marcus Jones again uh, on the job that he did against uh, Gray. I mean, Gray's Gray is extremely talented. That's an NFL wideout. Like now, he needs to go ahead and come out now. Uh, but Marcus was like, "I'm going to compete," and he competed and. Uh, on on the defensive side, <clears throat> and I think we covered people pretty good, you know. So um, overall, pretty good holding those guys what they had. You know, they had 37 points, but you know their kickoff return team is is legit. I mentioned that earlier in the week. Uh, they're not as good as number eight, uh, but their kickoff return team is 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 one of the top ones in the country. You know, Massey from over here in Katy has done that a couple of times this year. And then they put uh, they put Gray back there, and he's extremely talented as well. So uh, overall, uh, very happy with the performance. So once again, just right there, Dana Horgerson touching uh, about it, how SMU's offense, they have all these versatile weapons. They have different ways they can hurt you. But at the end of the day, Houston accepted that challenge. And even on the defense, like we mentioned it, they put up 37 points. One of those was a special teams touchdown themselves. Uh, but even then, they did a good job. Like you said, Marcus Jones came up with a big interception late in the fourth quarter of that game to kind of stifle really where it felt like um, – like Houston and SMU were a bit of a tennis match for a second where Houston would go down the field, they would score, SMU would answer right back. It was kind of stuck like that in between that scoring uh, rhythm for a second. And then when Marcus Jones got the interception, it stopped SMU, kind of gave Houston a little momentum. Now Houston had to punt the ball again back to SMU and uh, it ended up into the the field goal tying drive. But even just right there, forcing, forcing them to settle for a field goal, I mean, even just going back to last season, that game, uh, the final regular game of the season against Memphis when Houston came all the way back and it, it seemed like they were going to force overtime and they gave up the final drive that, that put Memphis in position to win that game. Um, I think right there is you, you see growth from this Houston defense and overall just the progress that they've made. It's good to see that it hasn't just been a product of who the opponents they, they've been playing. Like this defense is legit and they certainly earned that Sac Avenue m- moniker. Definitely did. They've earned everything that they have. And the football team have as well. That's why I can't wait to the rankings come out. I think that's just going to bode well for the program as a whole. And the momentum is definitely trending in the right direction, especially leading to them going into the Big 12 next season. And so you look at how called the win over SMU it was. SMU had beat a TCU team who, who was in the Big 12. And so SMU is a, is a, real, is a high quality football team for sure. And so with Houston stepping up to the plate and knocking them off, I think just only going to give them more confidence. And like Coach Hogerson said, the best football he believes is ahead of them. And if Clayton Toon can continue to develop at the rate that he has this season, then I think the sky is the limit. It could potentially can win out and reach that conference championship game, whoever they play. I think the defense is going to be there. They, they believe in the message that Coach Bell could – is preaching. They, they they rave every week how much they like him as a man outside of a coach. And when you have that, like they said, this is their words. They'll run through a wall for him. And so I, I think that the time is now for Coach Hogerson as far as he's finally kind of arrived. I think that this, without a doubt, was 
his biggest win and his most notable win. And his last words before leaving the press conference was seven in a row with seven and one, baby. Go Cougs as he exits the stage, kind of dropped the mic there. And so I don't know if he was feeling the pressure. They talk about exiting out the outside noise, but we all human, man. We can check our phones. We see Twitter. We see SPN. We see all these different things. But to keep the group grounded and motivated and really just hungry to win and get back to the prominence in which Houston is um, used to being at, I think Coach Hogus is doing an outstanding job this season, taking care of the business and winning games that they're supposed to win outside of the first game this season, in which he said – that game wasn't a learning experience and kind of was a turning point. And it's good. That was the first game of the season. And so I'm loving what I'm seeing, man. That was the instant classic last night, a rivalry game. And I'm hoping when Houston goes into the Big 12, they can maintain that rivalry with SMU because, I mean, it's an in-state rivalry, Houston-Dallas. That that rivalry is real, man. I would love to keep seeing that contest. Dan, real quickly, before we wrap things up, uh, I want to throw to you, what is going to be something that you're going to be looking for uh, with this team going forward? I'll, I'll start with what I'm going to be looking for, and that's honestly coming off this hive of win. You mentioned how we're all human. Um, they're going to come off this big win against a 19th ranked SMU. Um, we don't know the rankings yet. I feel like if if they're not ranked, I think at the very least they could they should be 25. And if they aren't, they're certainly going to be at the border of being really close to being ranked. To going from that win to having to play USF, that is obviously a big of a change in, in quality of opponent. It's going to be at USF. It's going to probably not going to be a packed stadium. It'll probably be, honestly, even close to, to empty, if anything. Um that's a big switch. And I think the big challenge for UH is going to be if they can keep that consistency and not play down to the level of their opponent, not going back to the ECU game, obviously different circumstances. That was the extended delay. They really played a big factor into that game, but I think Houston needs the next challenge for them, especially with the road they have ahead. They have it all there for them. They, they, all they have to do is win out and they have guaranteed a spot in the championship game. That's the big key. Can they, play at their level, force everyone else to have to play their game and not necessarily play down to their opponents. They all would say you. Yeah, I'm a, it's similar to you. I, now, with success comes expectation. Now, people is expecting for you to win and hoping the players are expect to win. Not only that, now that potentially what you have this ranking and not only that, you're undefeated. You're one of the top teams in the conference. We mentioned how the Big 12 move was going to give teams their best shot, but now it's going to be even more attention onto Houston. How do they handle their expectation? Do they not play down to the level of their competition like you mentioned? Do they continue to dominate and, and excel and trend in the upward direction like they have throughout this season? So that's what I'm going to be looking for. I'm going to also be looking for the continuance of the ground game. Um, I think Tejan Henry ha- had had a good game. If Alton McCaskill, we haven't heard an injury update from him on how long he will be out. I think he has to get an MRI, but yeah. he still have mobile car. He's definitely more than capable of stepping up and filling that void. And so I think the continuing development of the running game, continuing to be balanced offense, playing tune, continue to develop. That that's what I'm looking for. Not playing down to Liverpool competition and the offense continuing to evolve 
and have a more a balanced attack with the receivers and then all the playmates continue to make their mark on the field. For sure. And certainly uh, Monday's press conference for Dana Horgerson, that'll be something to, to keep an eye on and certainly hope that uh, Altima Caskell has an update with them and that it's not too serious and that the MRI comes back clean. Now that's going to do it for today's episode. So if you haven't done so already, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, wherever you listen, whether it be Apple podcast, Spotify, or anywhere anywhere else and be sure to follow at apollo hou for blogs merch video podcasts and more original houston sports content not found anywhere else the astros are currently in the 3-1 hole in the world series if you want more in-depth stuff on that go ahead and check out the rest of the podcast on apollo hou they'll get you covered Dayon, I'll toss it over to you. Sign us out and be in touch because the men's and women's basketball seasons are right around the corner. Um, on Saturday, the men's basketball team also ha- held their red and white scrimmage. So we'll have a lot more on that during the week. Stay tuned. Pod Slime and Jamma. Dayon, sign us off. And before we go, always be sure to follow Apollo HOU for blogs, merch, video podcasts, more original Houston sports content not found anywhere else. And as always, go Cougs. Follow me and Andy on Twitter. Signing out, folks.